Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Grow our faith, Lord Jesus. If you're new here today, this is the second week of a faith series here at Chicago Tabernacle. The Lord spoke to my heart and um, and I, I really felt like he challenged me to live by faith at a whole new level and to challenge his people to live by faith. The Bible says, and we're gonna come across this in, in the weeks to come, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is what pleases God, and faith is what secures the release of the power of God. When we live by faith, we are enabled to experience the supernatural life that God has for us. And God has a supernatural life. I say very often that the life of faith is living a natural life, but in a supernatural way. So that, so that God is, is intervening in, in our worlds, in our relationships, in our careers. All of that happens when we live by faith. So last week, uh, the first message of the series was Authentic Faith, part one. Today is gonna be Authentic Faith, part two. And the reason why we're beginning with two parts is because it's taking us two weeks to clearly define faith. And I want you to go home and study these things. If you have a phone, you can go on the app and look up the definitions and get the definitions in your heart because we wanna put these things into practice, amen? We wanna live by, everyone, faith. All right, so, so uh, let's begin with the next verse. It says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Everyone say God's command. Okay, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And I can tell you that today we're going to be talking about God's command. Last week's uh, uh, definition talked about the person of God. This week's definition talks about the command of God. So I wanna pray, I wanna pray right now that God would enable each one of us to open up our hearts so that we could live by everyone faith. Now listen, listen, before we pray, what that means, what that means, if you're gonna live by faith, it means that this year is going to be radically different. This is gonna be a different year, okay? We're gonna pray right now for God to work in us, okay, because we can't do it ourselves. But we're gonna pray that God is going to work in us so that we'll live by faith. And whenever you live by faith, it's, it's different. You know, it's better, it's wonderful, it's awesome, okay, but it is different. How many are ready for something different in 2019? Amen. You hear people say that all the time, and what needs to be different is that we live by faith. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time and this season. And we thank you for your word. Your word is what builds faith into our hearts, and it translates into living by faith in our daily walks with you. So build our faith, oh God. Grow our faith by your mighty power. I pray for wisdom, for revelation, oh God, and for transformation that comes when we live by faith. Bless this word and our time together in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. So could you put the verse back up one more moment again? So it says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command uh, uh, so that, that what we now see did not come from anything that we can be seen. Typically when you're explaining a Bible verse, you kind of define it first, then you give the example. But today we're gonna start with the example before we give the definition. 
Because in a sense, the example is part of describing the definition here. This speaks to every person walking on the planet. Here's an example of this. Let's take Isaac Newton, okay? He discovered the laws of gravity. So Sir Isaac Newton had a replica of our solar system made in miniature. In the center was the sun with the planets revolving around it. A scientist entered Newton's study one day and exclaimed, my, what an exquisite thing this is. Who made it? Nobody replied Newton to the questioner, who was an unbeliever. The scientist replied, you must think I'm a fool. Of course somebody made it, and he is a genius. Laying his book aside, Newton arose and laid a hand on his friend's shoulder and said, this thing is but a puny imitation of a much grander system whose laws you and I know, and I'm not able to convince you that this mere toy is without a designer and maker, yet you profess to believe that the great original from which the design is taken has come into being without either designer or maker. Now tell me what sort of reasoning do you reach, uh, by what sort of reasoning do you reach such incongruence conclusions? So what he's saying is he, he created this beautiful model, and the guy said, who made that? He said, nobody made that. Okay, and the guy says, come on, obviously somebody made that. Okay, obviously if somebody, if that, inter, that the intricate design of that, the way that works, somebody had to make that. What are you talking about? Okay, so when I went to Bible school, there were arguments for the existence of God. One of them is argument for design. I actually used it. They used, there's a one hundreds of years old. Uh, it's, it's the watchmaker argument. And about 20 years ago, I was in, a, I think it was Banana Republic, buying some clothes. And the guy said to me, hey, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, you're a pastor. He goes, you know, I have a hard time believing. You know, I just, I don't see God or whatever, it just, you know, it's like, it's just, I just have a hard time with it. I said, really? I said, what time is it? He looked at me, I said, yeah, what time is it? Because I saw he had a watch on, he looked. He said, it's such and such a time. I said, who made that watch? I said, what brand is it? And I said to him, so, if your son, or if you came home, went home to your dad as a kid, and you said, dad, guess what? I was walking down the block, and this watch just popped onto my wrist. <laughs> and you said, check it out, Dad. It's nice and shiny. I said, what would your dad say? He said, my dad would slap me upside my head. <laughs> Why? Because watches don't pop onto your wrist. Okay? BMWs don't just pop into existence. Right? right? Well, how many know the world is a lot more complicated than a watch or a BMW? But here's what the world chooses to believe. The world chooses to ignore that the world with all of its complex systems, solar system, the ocean, the, 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 all of the different ecosystems, like with all of those systems, the earth's, the world will say, oh, that just popped into existence. Which by the way, science can only test what is, all right? Science, the essence of science is to test what is, what is not, what is not. So the problem with science is, is they can conclude, uh, they can say, okay, this is made of wood. They can, because it's what is. But what about before it was? Science can't test that. So the scientists and the world has just as much faith, although I would say erroneous faith, because they say that something came from nothing with no reason, no purpose, no plan, no will. And what we say is that when God spoke, that's what started all of creation. We say a designer created the world and a designer created us. You understand? When you think about the complexity of the eye or the complexity of the ear or of the heart, and you're going to say, eh, poof. You know, but we have, we have sophisticated, we have educated and sophisticated our way into ridiculousness. That's what we've done. But faith says that we believe. Now, what we're talking about is a person's world view. Everyone say world view. 
okay? So worldview is an individual's particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. Everyone has a worldview. Everyone has a worldview. And so, so I'm giving you, like, this is super layman's terms. This is not, I'm not trying to be philosophical here. I'm just trying to communicate super basic. Okay, so there's existentialism is a worldview. Some people say, look, live for the moment. Nothing really matters. And the only way you know you're really living is if you experience stuff. So don't deny yourself experiences. Whatever you want to do, just do it. That's called existentialism. Okay, that ignores the future, it ignores God, it ignores laws, it just says live for your impulses and live for your feelings. But we all know from history, where does that lead you? It leads you empty, it leaves you fried, it leaves you used and broken and other people used and broken and hurt. That's surely not the superior way to live, you see. But a lot of people say, hey, you know, it's like, Eat, drink, and be merry. Let's party. Who cares about tomorrow? Let's hook up. The hookup culture is, ex is existentialism. See, guys, girls treating themselves as if they could just use each other and there's no ramification. There's, there's no impact. Just do whatever you want to do. That's existentialism. That's what you call a worldview. Okay? Another one is fatalism, which means nothing really matters. We're, we're, just, we're just like animals. Okay, so evolution essentially, evolution comes from a root of fatalism. It just says we're just like animals. Okay, now if you look at the animal kingdom, it's the survival of the fittest. Whoever's strongest, that's the one who's in charge. That's why Hitler, for example, Hitler came from this basic bent of thinking. He said the Aryan race was superior to all races. Where did he get that worldview from? It's essentially fatalism. Nothing really matters. It's all evolution. It's survival of the fittest. The biggest lion gets the food. That's it. People don't really matter. When someone believes in evolution, they, they're, they're saying, they're subscribing to a certain system. There's no law. There's no right. There's no wrong. You see? Now, theism, it says that there is a creator. Okay? Theism says that there's a creator. Now, the reason why this is kind of sobering right now is because we need to think about what our worldview is. Okay? Because, because, based on how you believe all of this started, what you believe for creation is what you end up believing for yourself. So look, a faith worldview means that the word of God shapes your philosophy and your lifestyle. You choose to live a certain way because your worldview is that God created the heavens and the earth. Your worldview is that somebody is in charge. How many believe somebody is in charge? How many would say somebody really is in charge? See, the world says nobody's in charge, but we say, no, somebody is in charge. We, the, 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 the world says nobody can tell you what to do. The Christian says, absolutely, I want Jesus to tell me what to do. How many would say amen? amen. You see, that's a worldview, and this is when, when, when he goes to, when he goes to, uh, um, the beginning of creation, he's really talking about what do you fundamentally believe about who the reigning power is of the universe because people attach authority to the reigning power of the universe. If there is no reigning power of the universe, then guess who is the reigning power? Self. If there's no God, I'm in charge. If there is a God, how many would agree? Then he ought to be in charge. You see? Not our feelings, not our desires. Okay, look, if every father woke up and just lived for whatever his feelings and whatever his desires would be, what is the result? Destruction, hurt, and pain. Okay? Every boss, every leader, every president, Okay, if every mother lived just for whatever they wanted, what is the result? Nothing but destruction, hurt, 
and pain. That's the facts of, a, of the wrong worldview. But our worldview is a blessing. Our worldview is not only to bless us, but to make us a blessing all around us. How many want to be a blessing in 2019? <laughs> then follow Jesus, do it God's way. Live for God and live the way God tells you. And you not only will be blessed, but you will be a blessing wherever you go. So now let's get into the definition, okay? So definition number one is faith is confident expectation in the presence, power, and provision of the unseen God. We talked about that last week. It's confident expectation. Now this week, here's what the verse is saying. It's absolute belief and trust in the command of God. So the first one is actually confident expectation in the person of God. And the second one is absolute belief and trust in the command of God, in the word of that person. All right, so here's a classic example of this. This past Tuesday, my grandsons were in the office and when Pastor Jake walked into the office, my, my, uh, uh, my grandson James started jumping up and down like this and going, Pastor Jake, we're going to Paw Patrol. <laughs> they went to Paw Patrol yesterday, right? Now, why was he jumping up and down saying, Pastor Jake, we're going to Paw Patrol? You know why? It's because Pastor Jake told him. Guess what? I got tickets. Uncle Jake is taking you guys to Paw Patrol. And here's what James did. James took him at his word. That's what you call absolute belief and trust. You see? So that's why we worship God. That's why we celebrate. Hallelujah, you have saved me so much better. You understand? Your way is so much. Why do we worship? Why do we glorify? Because we have trust in the promise of God. We have trust in the word of God for our lives because we give God the credit for all the good things that happen and all the good things that are going to happen. Hallelujah. That's called living by faith. You see? So there's an absolute trust. Belief and trust in the word of God. Let me break it down a little bit more. In the Greek, there are two words, okay? There are two words for the word or the, the truth or command. There are two words. The first is logos, and logos is God's revealed word. It's God's truth. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, okay? John chapter one is like the New Testament Genesis. So in, the, in, in Genesis, it says, and God said, okay? In, in John, it's talking about the fact that what the one who spoke was God, the eternal one, the eternal truth. Jesus is the truth. That's why when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you understand? He is the Logos. It's the highest form of truth, the highest form of living. A Greek person in that time who heard the word Logos understood that they were saying this is the best and highest standard of living and of reality. That's what Logos is. That's the word. Okay? That is the command of God. The command of God is the Logos. Here's another way that it's used. In Hebrews, it's actually used as the Rhema or the Ramada, and the command of God. Now look, these are, not, these are two different words, but they are woven together. Okay? So Logos and Rhema are woven together. They're just different expressions of the same truth. So Rhema is the utterance of God, and at times it means the utterance in the moment. Faith is not just faith in God, but it's faith in the utterance of God. When James put his faith in Pastor Jake's promise, it wasn't just in Uncle Jake, but it's what in Uncle Jake said, what Uncle Jake said. You see? And so it is absolute faith in the utterance of God. And here's the interesting thing about this, very important, please listen to this. Here's the interesting thing about this because this shapes our living for God.
Some people grow up in a, uh, a theological persuasion called, um, they're, they're called cessationist. And a cessationist believes that the miracles that God did and even the gifts of the Spirit as articulated in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12 and 13 and 14 and many, many other places, a lot of people believe that when the book of Revelation, when the canon or the, the Bible was finished, that God stopped doing miracles. And he stopped, he, stopped, uh, uh, he stopped manifesting by his power doing the, the gifts of the Spirit stopped manifesting. It's a position that says we, the word of God, the Logos, is enough. Just the truth is enough. Okay, but when the Bible teaches the command of God, it doesn't just teach Logos, it teaches Logos and Rhema. Okay, now Rhema is the utterance of God and at times the utterance of God in the moment. The reason why Rhema is important is because we not only believe that God spoke in his word and his word is the final authority, but that through his word and by his spirit, God can still speak to his people right through his word. How many know God can speak right here in 2019? There's a Rhema word. There's a word in season, there's a word right in the moment that can come from God that can guide and direct the people of God. When you have faith in the word of God, and this is very, very important, why, why are we fasting? Part of the reason why we're fasting is because we're saying no to all of the voices of this world so we can really dial into the voice of God. We want to lock in on the utterance of God. How many want to hear the utterance of God in 2019? So here's a classic example of what I'm talking about. I met a businessman once, and he told me this story when he was in his 30s. He was really doing well and rising in his career. And as he was rising in his career, he was really praying. He's prayed every day. See, every, read your Bible every day and pray. Let God talk to you and then you talk to God. Amen? That's simple. Natural and then unfolds the supernatural. So here's what happens. He was praying and God began to speak to him. He started to feel like he was hearing the voice of God. And the voice of God was saying, look, I want you to step down from your position right now. And I want you to take a season and seek me, which didn't make professional sense. He went to his wife. He said, Hannah, and she's like, you know what? That sounds like God to me. Okay, now if you got 50 professionals in a room and say, hey, when you're rising in your 30s and your career is really taking flight and all that, is that the time to go on a six-month break? Everybody will say, no, not at 30, you know? See, but he did. So here's what happened. So he goes to his boss and he says, he says, uh, um, uh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be stepping down and uh, I just feel like I'm supposed to step down. What are you going to do? Well, I, I just, I need a season, I need a break. And, and then finally, I think he actually told him, look, I just, I, I feel like God wants me to take a break. And, and the guy's like, all right, I don't want to argue with God, but would you do me this favor? Would you stay on for X amount of time, short period of time, so we could get ready because this caught us really off guard. So he goes back, he prays, talks to his wife. He says, okay, that's cool. And then the guy says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to write a contract today, all right? And when you leave because you've stayed, we're going to, this is how you're going to go out. Here's your setup, all right? So he says, cool, all right, so that's what happens. So six months, seven months go by. It's time for him to leave. And right when he's about to leave, in his field, everything crashes. So not only was he leaving in seven months, but everyone was leaving. But when everyone is leaving, they're leaving with a handshake and a, how do you do, adios amigo. But when he left, he had a contract. You understand? He was all set up. You, you see? And, and, and he left with a package as if they were booming. You know why? Because God is the Alpha and the Omega, and he knows what's going to happen six months from now in your life and mine. And God can speak to his people. 
There can be an utterance, there can be a word that changes the course and the, that changes our feelings and our directions. There is a rhema word, there's a word in the moment. First time I heard the word rhema, actually I was in Bible school and one of our teachers who was a preeminent authority in end times theology, he was like the tops in the, in, the, in the country, for example, and a new Bible school had formed and, all, and they were getting all of the best teachers and they had the best facilities and it was like, it was just booming and they sent them a letter, a note and said, we want to hire you, come, you know, twice the salary, all of these great things he's telling us in class and here's what he said. He said, and I prayed about it and the Lord told me, don't go. Okay. You know what you call that? You call that rhema. Everybody say rhema. So he didn't go, and he stayed with his peanut salary, his little faith school that we went to. And then seven or eight months go by, or a year goes by, and a big scandal takes place, and the whole school falls and shuts down. And he said to us as students, he says, you guys are here to learn how to, to learn the word of God and to learn how to hear from God. I want to repeat that to you. You know why you're here? You're here to learn the word of God and to learn how to hear and be led by God. God wants to speak to you. You can have the utterance of God. You can get close enough to God that you start to hear the voice of God. Now, it's not like, it's, I didn't say this last time, but I just, when I first got saved, there was a guy on TV, and uh, uh, when he got on, he was like uh, talking to somebody else, one of these televangelists, and uh, I don't mean to diss our people, but I need to guard you. So he's talking to the guy, he goes, time out, God's talking to me. He goes, yes, Lord, hold on, hold on, Lord. Okay, God is saying we need to take an offering right now. Stop. Okay? You know, stop. How many know everything from Jesus is free? And nobody has a, 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 a running fax with God. If somebody, every five minutes, God told me, God told me, I'm not talking about that. Okay, God speaks primarily through the Bible. Okay, let me, let me borrow your Bible a second. Okay, so primarily God speaks. We're reading the word and the word of God guides us. And then sometimes there's a rhema to it where God will, will put a punch, an extra life into it. Okay, there's an extra life. And we'll talk about this in a, in a few moments. But there's a life that he puts into it. You know, God is speaking to me. Okay, the word of God is the primary voice of God. But as you mature in God, you start to hear he who has an ear, let him hear what the what? What the Spirit says. You understand? But this is the foundation, and God never goes against his word. Never. He never contradicts his word. So, so if God, if you feel like God told you to marry an unbeliever, I'm telling you right now, he didn't tell you that. Amen. He's so fine, Lord. No, no, no. You know he didn't tell you that. He didn't tell us to date evangelistically. He said evangelize, but not date like that, right? God doesn't go against his word, but God does speak. How many want to hear from God? Come on, let's put our hands together. So when you have faith in the command of God, there are two fundamental things, okay? There are two fundamental things that you're believing, okay? Here's the first one. When you believe in the command of God, you're believing that the command of God is creative and productive. Everyone say creative and productive. Here's what you're believing based on this verse. The, the command of God is creative and productive for our needs. Okay, where do we get that from? By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. 
And when God created the world, and my wife was talking about this earlier, when God created the world, his creation, it was created by his word, but everything that he created was not only created, but it was also productive. Here's a very, very quick chart that I want to show you here. When God said, let there be light, he created light, but he created a light that would give energy to the earth. Okay, the plants would receive that energy and turn it, the process of photosynthesis would turn it into food and energy. And when the animals and the food chain and all of these things would be impacted because the word of God is creative and productive. Okay, and when you think about your needs, you know that the word of God is creative and productive. He made the air which enables us to breathe. When he made the waters, the waters, this is the function of life. We can't live without water. It wasn't just there, but it was also productive. You see, it's life-giving. That's the way the word of God is. Think about when he said, let there be land. That land provides the food and sustains the food chain. It's the way the word of God works. So listen, whether it be confrontational, whether it be uh, financial, whatever your need is, and by confrontational, what I mean is maybe you're under some kind of attack in your life. You're like, I don't have anybody to protect me. You know? Uh, who's going to help me? I don't have people in powerful places. I don't have this. I don't have that. No. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou art with me. You see, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. The Bible says, Psalm 105, that he would rebuke kings for the sake of his anointed children. God knows how to deal. He knows how to fight for his people. You need protection. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. You see, so whether it be something confrontational in your life, how many know God's got your back, your front, underneath, on top? How many know he's got you covered? But... You got to live by faith. See? You got to follow him. You got to trust him. You got to put your faith in what he says, and you got to go the way he goes. David fought a lot of battles, and every time he fought the battle, he was saying, God, how do I fight this battle? Sometimes it was go to the left. Sometimes it was wait until I do this. That's what you call living by everyone, faith. It could be financial. Here's, here's what creative and productive means. It means that something is missing. Your protector is missing. Well, God shows up as your protector. Financially speaking, uh, God, I need, I, I, I need you to produce this, God. I don't have this. I don't know how this need is going to be met. When they were in the desert, there were millions of people. They were hungry. God said, I'll send you manna from heaven. Okay, give us this day our daily bread. How many know God can give daily bread to everybody? What's missing in your life? God can provide it. How many believe that he can provide whatever is missing in your life? You could be missing financially. God can provide for you. But we got to believe. You see, we believe. Why do we give? Why do we give? Look, when we take the offering, okay, we don't say give because if you don't give, we're in trouble. We don't say that. And I, and I, you know, I had to work this out with God. I want, you to, I want you to go back. I've been doing this for 20 something years now, 25, long time. And I want you to go back and me thinking, Lord, I don't be, I'm, I'm, I talk honestly. God, I don't want to ask people for money. So would you please just like give us like a lot of money so we never have to ask for money. And God said, that's not the way I do it in my word. The way I do it in my word is I give my people an opportunity to give. Because when they give, they are declaring their dependence and their worship and their faith and trust in me. It's not because I need it, but it's because they need to live by faith. And when they give, they're living by faith. And that's why I have you take an offering. But as for you, just know, I already spoke to this issue. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So don't worry when you take the offerings. You see, when we give, it's so that we could say, thank you, God. I depend upon you, God. Give, and it shall be given. That's why I heard someone say, you got financial problems? How do you get out of a mess? Give your way out of a mess. 
That's what faith says. You see, God is able to produce what's missing. God is able to provide what's not there. You see, here's what we're saying. We're saying if nothing was there and God spoke this whole universe into existence, then the little thing that's, that's missing, you know, that, that, that washing machine that's missing, God can speak and that washing machine can show up. You see, we talked about that last week a bit. You know, whatever it is, God is dialed into our needs. How many believe our Heavenly Father's dialed into our needs? How many would say amen? Faith says that God is able. His word. All, all God has to do is speak His word. In the, in the New Testament, one more example on this. We're about, we'll be coming to the second and we'll close. So there was a Roman centurion. He wasn't even really a believer per se. But he was a man of God and he understood the power of the command because he was in authority. And he went to Jesus and he said, look, you don't have to come to my house. They were going to bring him to his house because his servant was sick. And he said, you don't even have to come to my house. All you have to do is say the word because I'm a man under authority. I have people under me. When I say to the soldiers, go over there, they go over there because I have authority. And if I have authority and I'm a human being, I declare that you are God and you have authority and all you have to do is speak and anything that is needed can be created. How many believe anything that is needed can be created by the word of God? God can speak and that could be provided. He can speak and that could be provided. You know, a story came to me this morning when I started pastoring in Omaha, right when we got in, a guy got arrested in our church. He was a young guy. It turns out that he was a bank president. And he got arrested because he um, became friends with some farmers and they fell on hard times that he made some fraudulent loans. He wasn't really being a bad guy. He was trying to be too nice, so nice that he broke the law. Got in huge trouble. Okay. And then, and then other things, in a sense, his life fell out of control. Other things just fell out. And so sure enough, I remember we sent letters, and uh, I, I went to the court case. I stood there, and I remember when the judge said, no, guilty this many years. So I, I watched the whole operation. When I spoke to his wife, his, his wife was mad as a hornet, man. She was livid. And she was like, this guy, I warned him, and the whole deal... So she wanted nothing to do with him. And here's what he told me. He said to me, look, not only am I losing my life, but when I go into this prison, I'm also losing my family. And you know what I told him? I told him, pray, bro, because God is merciful. He's able to step in, you know. And I spoke to her. She said, I don't love him anymore. I got nothing in my heart for him. Okay, so anyway, time goes by, and then all of a sudden, I hear that she's visiting him. And when I meet her, I said, what happened? Why are you visiting him? And she said, well, here's what happened. She said, you know that my heart was empty towards him. I had nothing in my heart for him after what he did to me and left, the, left me with the kids, the whole deal. He said, but I went, and I was praying. And I started to talk to God, and when I started to talk to God, God showed me something that I wasn't seeing. You know what was missing? He, she said, he showed me actually how sinful I am before him he somehow gave me a glimpse and when I saw it all of a sudden I, I, I was overwhelmed by how sinful I am and then, he, and then I said Lord forgive me he said I do forgive you but will you forgive your husband and she said of course I'll forgive if you forgive me for who I am I'll forgive him for whatever he's done because that's nothing compared to who I am you see and then all of a sudden the love that was missing, all of a sudden her heart was filled with love. So fast forward, this is 20-something years. I'm preaching at a, at a Bible school in Minneapolis, you know, two months ago. And a kid comes up to me and says, hey, my, um, my pastor wanted me to say hello and to give you his number. I go, who your pastor? He starts saying names. I'm like, man, I don't know. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, he was with you in Omaha and this and that. And it turns out that the guy who was in prison and who got all jacked up, he's now a pastor in ministry, leading young people, married, doing fantastic, even though all was lost. How many know all is not lost when God speaks into our lives? Hallelujah.
He just has to speak the word. He just has to speak the word. Here's the second thing very, very quickly. And by the way, go on your app. Look at all of these notes. You need to go over this again. Okay? But here's the second thing that you're saying. You're saying, you're believing that the command of God is living and active, not just for our needs, but for our spirits. Everybody say, my spirit. The word of God, the command of God is for our spirit. Look at what the Bible says. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. You see, some of us, there, there are things stuck in our spirit. And you can take medication, but medication doesn't necessarily reach your spirit. We are spirit, soul, emotions, and body. What can actually reach your spirit? Who can know and understand what's in your spirit? The Bible says no one and nothing except the spirit of the living God who actually created us. And so what we're saying is that the command of God is living and active for our spirit. It can pierce to the, to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is able to speak into our spirit what we need. He's able to speak by his mighty power into our spirit and help us. It's living and active. So what that means is, look, if you're battling with sin, what you need is for the word of God to get into your spirit. Look at what David said. He said, I've hidden my word. In, I've hidden your word, your command, your logos, your rhema, okay? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How does that happen? Because the word is able to pierce the soul. The word is able to penetrate so deep that the things that you used to love, you start to hate. You're like, but how do you hate what you used to love? I let God get deep into my spirit. Somebody needs to let God get deep into their spirit in 2019. How does, how does God get deep in our spirit? You see, he gets in by his word. He gets in by his word. When the word of God penetrates, maybe somebody having panic attacks, look what the Bible says. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. God can take someone who's a wreck emotionally. Worry, worry, worry. You can be worry, worry, worry. Get into the presence of God. Open your Bible and then get a promise of God that says, do not fear. I will be with you. And you walk out and say, hallelujah. My heart is good. My heart is strong. I've heard from the Lord. I've heard from the Lord. Man, what happens? It's all good. Why? I heard from the Lord. The Lord pierced my heart. See, look, there's a big difference from people coming to church and from people having their hearts pierced. When you read your Bible, when you go from this place, okay, when you go from this place, take a minute and read the Word. I'm so, let me borrow that Bible one more time. Okay, look, here's the way it goes. Okay, here's the way it goes. Uh... It says, it says, let me see. Look, if anyone desires to come after me, well, this is a good one. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Come on, say amen to that. See, see, some people need some piercing with that word right there. They're like, taking up crosses? No, but you don't understand. You don't understand. You, I'm look, look, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, go get alone with God and open the Bible. And, and something powerful happens, you open and you get that promise and you say, you say, Lord, you want me to follow you? You want me to follow you, Lord? And right there, get on your knees and say, God, I'll follow you today. God, when I talk to people, speak to me so I can follow you. God, when I go to make decisions, God, speak to me so that I could follow you, God. 
God, put it in my heart right now, Lord. When I get a desire to do what I want to do, God, right now, pierce my heart, oh God. I want to follow you, even if it means taking up a cross. God, in the privacy of this moment between you and I, I choose the cross rather than the world. I choose the cross rather than the flesh. I choose you, Lord. God, I want to follow you. Hallelujah. God will pierce your heart. God will change your life. Your life will look different in 2019. How does a guy get victory over drugs just like that? How does a person get victory over jealousy and anger and prejudice just like that? How does a guy break the power of pornography just like that? Get the word of God piercing your heart and you will be changed. Hallelujah. He'll change you. Well, you don't understand. This is such a battle. No, there's no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Human beings can't pull certain strongholds down, but how many know the spirit of the living God can pull down every stronghold? Hallelujah. He can change us. Sorry, bro, you got your exercise for the day, up and down. Listen, we got to get the word. Here's Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. See, what happens is, I just got to close with the verse, but here's what happens. And this is what my prayers for you, for your 2019, is that you would be so full of the Word of God. You see, some people say, my walk with God is weak, or I don't believe like you do. I don't. It's just the Word. If you fill yourself with the Word, how do you fill with yourself with the Word? Day by day, line by line, precept. Take up the sword. Everybody say, take up the sword. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians, okay? Ephesians 6.19, it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up your sword. Take up your sword. Fight with the sword. Live with the sword in your hand. Watch everything change. The more you get the Word of God and the more you get fluent. In, in Judah, says, Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. We got to build ourselves up in 2019. We got to build ourselves up. How do we build ourselves up? With the Word of God. God. Better than starting a new exercise regimen, a new food regimen, a new habit regimen, the most important habit, the most important change for 2019 is that we would fill our hearts with the word because if we fill our hearts with the word, we will live by faith. How many want to live by faith in 2019? Come on, let's put our hands together. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, and I want you to go across the aisles and take someone's hand. Every single one of us needs this. Every single one of us. See, look, the Bible goes back to Genesis, okay? The book of Genesis is the book of blessing. 88 times the Bible says, blessing or bless in the book of Genesis. In the first five chapters or six chapters, man went against the blessing of God, but God kept turning it around and saying, I'm going to bless you anyway. Because God wants to bless us. We need to put our faith in the fact that God, by his mighty command, he wants to help us and bless us and use us. How many believe that's what God wants to do in 2019? But we need to get full of the Word of God. We need to let the Word of God pierce our hearts and our lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's good and He wants to do good in us and He wants to grow our faith. Lift your neighbor's hand. Let's sing for a moment by faith. You are good, everyone. You are good, good.
Come on, keep holding hands. You are good. We declare that you are good. Our faith says that you are good, oh God. Our faith says that you want to bless us. You want to help us. You want to be with us. That's what our faith says for 2019, oh God. We receive the promises of God in 2019. And Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray to the left and to the right. Fill us with the command of God in 2019. Make us men and women of the word, oh God. God, help us to set aside time to read the Bible. Oh God, to underline it, oh God, to mark it, oh God, to pray it, to live it out by your power, oh God. Help us to cling to the promises of God. Instead of running to our friends, we want to run to the word, oh God. Instead of running, oh God, and trying to do things in our own strength, we want to run to the word, oh God. Instead of trying to figure it out, Lord, we want to run to the word, oh God. Make us men and women of the word. I pray that, Lord, we would be intentional and intense about the word of God. I pray that every person here would take up the sword of the Spirit. I pray that everyone here would take the time to build themselves up in the most holy faith. And we thank you that, Lord, as we live by faith, we will see the supernatural manifest. The glory, the presence, the power, the provision of the unseen God is going to fall. Come on, pray to the left and to the right. God, we pray for the power, the presence, and the provision of the unseen God in our every person's life. As we live by faith, as we live by faith, oh God, we pray for the utterance of God in every person, oh God. We thank you. We thank you. We believe you. So, Lord, as we go from this place, help us to go to meet with you, to be with you, Lord God, to walk with you, Father. By faith, Lord, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said...